if you forsake relationships, you leave empty-handed. Maybe you leave with a trophy, maybe you leave with a ring, but you leave with items and you don't leave with connections. And like you miss an opportunity. And like that, that is my worst nightmare for our student athletes to leave and say, and I don't talk to anybody anymore. And like, that's heartbreaking. Hey there, and welcome to a full episode of What Makes You Think, the show that flips the traditional interview format, showing you the personalities behind the personas of some of your favorite figures in gymnastics. And it's been a while. I'm happy to be back. And I'm happy to be back with this episode, which is part one of an interview with someone who had a standout club career, qualifying to the Nastia Cup three times. She was also a superstar NCAA athlete, earning 10 after 10 after 10, who then found her way to the coaching side of collegiate gymnastics and is now most recently seated in the assistant coach position at LSU. My guest today is Ashley Nett. I am here with Ashley Nat. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And you are clearly dressed in purple because you are <laughs> at LSU currently. And before we hopped on, you were telling me that you guys are getting ready for your team retreat. So what does we that are. entail? Yeah. So we do a team retreat every year. It obviously got a little postponed uh, during the COVID season. So this is our our second one since I've been on staff here. And so we, it's probably one of our most valued things that we do with our team. We feel like it's a tone setter. Um, We feel like it's an opportunity to take our girls away from campus. We go to Gulf Shores, uh, Alabama, they get to go to the beach for the weekend. But it's really a time where we work hard to connect them in a different way. Like I said, off campus, just outside of gymnastics, outside of the pressure of like, oh, we got to go to practice. We have to do this, this, and this. Like we take all of that away and we just encourage them to connect with one another. We set up different avenues um, to just get them to know each other a little bit better. This year is our biggest roster that I can recall or to date. And so to us, we feel like this is probably one of the most important things that we're going to do this year, just to establish those relationships amongst one another, and then to establish relationships with our staff as well. We're very relationship oriented staff. We really value our connections um, with our student athletes, with ourselves, with one another, but also our, our student athletes connecting with one another. And so we try to put a premium on that. And this is kind of the beginning of that. So we're really looking forward to that. I'm I'm envisioning a lot of like trust falls. Is this is <laughs> ropes um, courses. Definitely like beach relay. Um, yep. But we we involve our entire staff, so our support staff. So we'll have like our nutritionists will go and do like a cooking mm-hmm. demo with them. Our sports site goes and she kind of lays the groundwork for her programming throughout the year. Um, our athletic trainer does like a hydration piece where she talks to them about like things that you need to do just to take care of your general wellness. And so we try to incorporate everyone. And so we do, uh, we do do a few, you know, like corny trustful activities, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I think at the end of the day, you know, we come away with our theme and our messaging and just kind of like an established baseline of where we want to go and, and the vision of what that's going to look like. So we're looking forward to that. Is that vision laid out by the coaching staff prior to, or are you actually having athlete input into that? Athlete input is definitely paramount. So we have um, every year we have what are, what are called intentions. So we have the same intentions every year. We intend to get this GPA. We intend to compete for an SEC championship, okay. a regular season championship, a national championship. Like those are our intentions. So outcome um, goals. Yes, big outcome goals. And Jay prefers the word intention rather than outcome or mm-hmm. rather than goal, just because that is 
we came, what's what you got here for, you know, like that's yep. what you signed on to do. And so, yeah, the layout and the the process and the message behind what we're going to do is very much athlete driven. And I think that's a big part of our philosophy in general is a, a autonomy, buy-in and like athlete input. Um, mm-hmm. And because we, th- we think that if they have ownership over those things, they will carry it out to the end, you know, like if it's mm-hmm. us, they're, they're adults, they're young adults. And so mm-hmm. if it's us trying to force feed them some sort of messaging that we come up right. with, there's less buy-in. There's just, yeah, that's the message you guys decided on. Like yeah. we want them to have, have autonomy over that and to be bought into what they decided that they wanted to do from a process perspective. Now, have you found that to be quite a change for a lot of athletes who perhaps have come from an environment where they are very micromanaged? 100%. I think that is probably the most interesting part about coaching college gymnastics in general is like we have 23 girls and they all come from completely different environments and like Mm -hmm. have different backgrounds. Um, We have four transfers on our team. So, you know, we have really a variety of elite athletes, JO level athletes, DP, my, my bad, my bad. Oh, it's Dev um, now. Gotta keep up with the changes. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> It'll be different in a few athlete. months. Don't worry about it. Perfect. And then, like I said, transfers. So we have a, a wide variety and um, yeah, some of them are not used to being communicated to the way that we communicate to them and uh, the way that we we push them. Um, and you find that as they get older, they get more comfortable and they get more into the rhythm of the way that we communicate and, um, the way that we encourage them to use their voice and to, Mm -hmm. to lead and to, we don't do team captains. Uh, we don't do like assigned leaders. Like we believe that if you're on our team, you can lead. And so if you want to be a leader, you know, use your voice, tell us. And that doesn't come with age, but it does, there is like a comfortability that comes with them getting older Mm -hmm. and settling into our process and the way that we go about our business for sure. So it sounds like the culture and the philosophy of the team is just as, if not more important than the actual skills that are being done out on the floor. So when you guys are recruiting and I know, is it Garrett? Yeah, he's our recruiting coordinator. Yes. Uh, So when you guys are recruiting, are you looking for specific specific qualities? Because you guys have a freaking stacked roster. I mean, oh my gosh. I was looking at it again today going, oh, I forgot how many <laughs> amazing athletes are on here. So how how do you look for those qualities? Or do you guys just feel confident enough that you can establish that culture regardless of who's on the team? Right. So I agree with you that like culture is that's at the top of our priority list. And it's at the forefront of our minds all the time. And um, we obviously want to include that into our recruiting philosophy and the way that we do recruit. And so it's something that we discuss and it definitely ebbs and flows, I would say like Mm -hmm. there, you know, um, we take all things into consideration. And I think you you would probably hear this from other coaches that like, yes, we watch you, you know, do gymnastics, but like we watch the way that you talk to your coaches or talk Mm -hmm. to your teammates or lead the warm up, um, the way that you communicate with your parents. Um, all of that stuff we feel like is impactful. And I think too, like now in this day and age, like seeing like their social media posts and like, what is your content? Like, I think is things that like we, we look at, I wouldn't say that like we, we, that's what we would recruit more than we would recruit gymnastics. But I think that it's things, all things are considered when you're talking about adding people into a group. And so when you add people into a group, things change, right? And like the dynamic of the group shifts. And so like you want the core of the group to be strong enough to withhold and maintain the culture. 
And then you hope that that ebbs and flows and it continues as years go on, but it definitely shifts, mm-hmm. I think, from year to year. And so we did a, I, our girls, they did a awesome job last year, like from a culture perspective and just the way that they handled their business and went about their business and um, were so bought into their mission and what they wanted to do with it. And so we obviously, we want that to continue this year from a culture perspective, but at the same time, you add different pieces into the group and like, it's on, you know, it is up to them to decide how it works together. So it seems very similar to hiring employees for a new job. Like you have to, the onboarding process has to be very (laughs) thorough and accurate in order to then expect certain I don't want to say behaviors because that sounds like we're dealing with children, but <laughs> if you're not, if you don't onboard employees properly, you can't then go back and say, well, you were supposed to do X, Y, and Z. You have to actually, you know, set those, set those things up at the beginning is in making sure that everybody's happy and, and following the philosophy and the culture is constant communication and the meetings. And instead of putting out fires, becoming firefighters and preventing them, what yeah. kind of work goes into maintaining that culture that you're working so hard to set up now with this preseason retreat? Definitely. So like you said, like there are constant communication and uh, Jay says this all the time. And it's so true that like communication can always get better. Mm-hmm. That like you will never be, per- I'm a perfect communicator. Like mm-hmm. there's no way, there's no way to be a perfect communicator. There's right. ways to communicate. There are avenues that you can set up that encourage and increase communication. Mm-hmm. Um, but are, we are constantly as a staff, we want to improve at communicating. But we do set up different avenues uh, for our teams. Our biggest thing that we do on a consistent basis is a, a Monday meeting for our entire team. And um, we kind of just lay out what the week looks like for them. Hey, mm-hmm. um, we try to, they're, you know, as most athletes are, they're type A. Like they want all of the information in advance. They want to plan it. They want to organize mm-hmm. it. And uh, we want to respect their time too, right? Like yeah. we get X amount of time with you. Um, outside of that, we want you to, you know, have time to do what you want to do and do what you need to do when you're a college student. So you have a lot on your plate. So we try to give them as much information in advance as we can. We give them a schedule. Um, we give them a layout of what this week looks like, upcoming events, what that looks like. Um, and then we usually will have some sort of like, this is what practice is going to be like this week. So that they have an idea of what's coming. They know what to expect when they walk into the gym every day. That's very mm-hmm. important to us to not surprise them, not throw, you know, like just give them an idea so that they yeah. can have an expectation in their mind. And then we... Jay usually has, you know, a message going into the week of, you know, what he wants to deliver to them. And then we do something called Tiger Eyes, which is, I think, like, when you think of it from a bubble, it's a little corny. Um, But it is, it's become just a pathway for our girls to communicate to one another. And so you earn Tiger Eyes for a variety of things. So like if you do a community service, you get a tiger eye. If you do a, um, you know, like if you make an A on a test or an A on a paper or a B on a quiz, like A's and B's, um, you'll earn tiger eyes a certain amount. And then like for like inner squad scoring. And then we also allow our girls to give tiger eyes to each other. So it's like, hey, you helped me um, study for a test. And I really appreciated that. Like, thank you for being a good teammate to me. And so they're like little marbles basically. And you Mm -hmm. collect a certain amount of marbles and then you have what is called a dumping ceremony where you take your marbles and you jump them into a larger jar full of marbles. And so during the dumping ceremony, our girls have to, they have to communicate to one another. So they usually, they have to say one thing that they, um, they love about their teammate. They're proud of something they accomplished, something that maybe the girls had an interaction with each other where, like I said, like they were helping each other study. Like that's something we would never know about. Right. 
so they would say something like that. And then they also have to um, issue a challenge to them of like, hey, you know, you are getting so close to catching your release move. You know, I just encourage you to keep working on that and like keep pushing towards it because it's going to make all of us better like when you're catching it consistently. Mm-hmm. And so we just... I think our, our biggest thing is trying to create avenues for them to communicate to one another. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that it's everything. It's very easy for things to stay surface level um, and to say like, oh, you're doing good, like proud of you. But it's like, no, like, you know, put some put some teeth behind that. Like tell them, yeah. tell them something that like they can get better at. Because like, like I said before, like no one is perfect at anything. Like we can all get better. But if I hear that from my teammate, I'm more likely to think about it than if I hear the same messaging from my coach all the time. Right. And so that's the same thing that we we're talking about before, like that athlete autonomy, that's really important to us. And um, we want them to lead each other, to encourage each other, to make each other better. And so I would say that's kind of one of our main ways that we have the, like a setup avenue for communication. Uh, we also do an individual meeting with um, a few people on our staff. It just kind of depends like if who's in town and who's not recruiting. Yeah. Um, but they'll come and they'll sit with us and we kind of just check in with them. And like, it's not to be, I think there's a fine line between like nosy and overbearing. And like, this is a, a safe space for you to communicate with us what your needs are. Mm-hmm. So we check in on with them on like, how is school? Like, are you getting what you need from a resource perspective? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you are getting where you need to go from a gymnastics perspective? Is there anything that you need from us? Like, do you need more from us? Do you need less from us? And then that's also like a different time for them to um, just kind of talk to us and get to know us better. Uh, we believe that the better that we know them, the better we can coach them. Um, it's yeah. just an established relationship of trust and transparency. And so they know that we're people too. And mm-hmm. like, that we're, you know, we try to be as real and authentic with them so that they know that it's not like a hierarchy position. Like we're just people, you know, and we all want to make each other better and we all have the same end goal in mind. And so having those conversations with them, that's about once a month we do our individual mm-hmm. meetings with them and just trying to get to know them and make sure that they are getting where they want to go. I think at the end of the day, something we constantly talk about is like we have them for four years and then we send them out into the real world. Yeah. And like, gymnastics cannot gymnastics is the reason that we're all here but it can't be the only reason that we're here I mean they have to be set up for success in life and um, that's a big priority and so we try to utilize our time to make sure that they have the tools that they need and the resources that they need to get where they want to go once gymnastics ends Mm -hmm. and so it's it's like I said it is not a perfect system but I I hope and I I think that it's one where our athletes feel like they have a voice and that they can come to us with what they need to come to us about. And we can have conversations and be real people. And, you know, can, they can leave here knowing that they have an advocate at LSU and that they, they have someone they can call and talk to. Um, That's really important to us. And I feel like our entire staff probably feels the exact same way. They would say the same thing. So speaking of the current system that you guys are coaching and, and utilizing as you coach, how does that differ from when you were an athlete? Or does it? Yeah, um, it definitely differs a little bit. I think the staff that we had when I was a student athlete, we had uh, Didi, um, who was the head coach. Jay was the uh, associate head coach for, I believe, when I was in school. He was, in my mind, he was an assistant coach, but I'm pretty sure his official title was associate head coach. Um, we'll, and then we'll get Bob, into the coaching titles in a minute, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a whole other One of the other ones, yep. Um, and then Bob, Bob Moore was our... Um, our vault coach and then our volunteer coach was um, Ashley Clerkerney Thigpen, who now still works in our athletic department. She's doing incredible things mm-hmm. 
for us. So it's it's been it's definitely been an interesting transition. I think that Garrett and Courtney have added just such a different perspective to our staff. Jay will tell you that this is his dream staff, that he's he loves working with us. He loves coming to work every day. Um, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but like, that's what he would say. Like, that's what he (laughs) says to us. That's what he says out loud. Um, But we are, we're just a different group. I think we have this, a same philosophy and I think it's hard because when you're a student athlete, you perceive your coaches differently than the way that mm-hmm. they operate around each other. But the way that I I live in our staff and the way that I experience our staff now is like we have a similar philosophy and we all have different ways of executing it. Mm-hmm. And we, I think when I think about our student athletes, I think that they have a person that they can go to and a resource. And there's always going to be one person they connect with more than another. Right. But I feel like with the the group that we have now they have a a few more options of people to connect with and like I think Jay was kind of that main person that we were very relational with um ACK was that person too for us that we were we were very relational with her and I think Dee Dee um just had like a you know she was just Dee Dee like she was just in charge she was the boss like you had like this respect for her but like there was a little bit of a gap Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Jay as a head coach, he seeks to be relational with our student mm-hmm. athletes. He seeks to connect with them. And I think the title of head coach can put so many things and like layers in between that. And, but I think that he, he is seeking relationship. And I think interestingly enough too, like I was coached by my parents. So that's another facet of like, I think I take a lot of what they taught me as a young athlete into my coaching as well. But I think I think my entire drive has been based around relationships. I think that I had such a positive experience as a student athlete um, that my 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 main goal would be to provide a positive experience for our student athletes and the team that we have currently. Um, I think that the group, the staff that we have right now, it it shares such a similar philosophy, and we all just have a different way of going about the way that we express that philosophy, and so that like I said before, like that philosophy is relationship centered. It's about connecting um, and making sure that our student athletes are, are well mind, body and spirit. And then obviously the end goal, which is the full thing, the whole national title, all of that, of mm-hmm. course, like that is always the pinnacle, the, the thing that we're all going after, but going after that and forsaking the relationship piece and forsaking wellness you know, and a complete college experience is something that we're not interested in doing. Mm-hmm. We want our athletes to, we want to win, like we want to win everything, but like, we don't want to win at the expense of, you know, not being able to connect with them, them not being well, us not being well, us not wanting to come into work every day. Like we want to come into work and enjoy it and to enjoy chasing after a common goal. And so I think, I think that I answered a different question than the one that you asked. But I think the things that I always think about as a student athlete, I um, I was very driven. I was very narrow-minded, very focused. Um, and I think my favorite thing about coaching is that every athlete is different. And like it's like a little puzzle like to connect with them and to figure out what works for them. And so I feel like that's a question that we're constantly asking is like, okay, well, like, what do you need here? Like, how mm-hmm. does this work for you? Because mm-hmm. I know how it worked for me. And like, I figured that out and you know, I did my own thing, but like now my job is to figure out what works for you and like Mm -hmm. to make this work in your best interest. And so while you're coaching a team, you're connecting with an individual on how to make them 
um, to be their best and to compete at the highest level. And there's, it's so much bigger than, you know, you and your own little bubble and you're going along competing. You get to watch all of them work together and figure each other out. So I think that that part is, it's really special. It's a very unique environment. Um, and it's the reason that I was drawn to coaching college in the first place is because I recognize the uniqueness and how special it is um, to be able to work with a group of people who are all oriented around the same goal. Mm -hmm. So I have a question. You're talking about that, you know, at the end of the day, like, of course, everybody wants to win everything. Like, it's, yeah. it's a competitive sport, right? We yeah, want of course. Accolades. But once you get to the point of LSU or those handful of other programs that we're constantly seeing on the big stage at the championship point of the season, mm -hmm. everybody can have straight legs and pointed toes. Yep. Everybody can hit their routines. Mm -hmm. Everybody's good. Yep. So at that point, how much do you think it comes down to team dynamic and exactly. is that okay, yes hit it? like hit it? that is our jam right <laughs> like I I view that as like that's our secret weapon like because you're right like Oklahoma is the gold standard like they have they're so much respect for them and the way that they are doing things and like doing it year after year is mm -hmm. so impressive and like they're doing such an incredible job but yeah, when we all get out there and we're all on the same playing floor, uh, handstands, stuck dismounts, like all of those things, like that's what it comes down to is like, is that, is that what counts or is it the bond of the group and the ability to know that your teammate is going to go out there and do it for the other people who are over here, you mm -hmm. know? And like mm -hmm. at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, the more connected a group is, I feel like the further they go. And for us, that was completely true about our entire year last year um, to lose one of your top kids in the second meet of the season um, mm -hmm. and to watch our team rally around what was happening and step in for her and step in for one another and someone else in like it, there's no world where we want our student athletes to get hurt. Like we want, we would love to keep them all in a protective bubble, but the nature of doing the sport is that you get hurt and there are injuries, yep. but the way that they fought for each other and loved each other and went after it because their other friend couldn't do it. Right. That, and that carried us. And that is why we put a premium on culture. And that is why mm -hmm. we feel like it is the most important thing to establish that relationship with one another. Um, because we feel like that takes us over the edge. Mm -hmm that like forget forget castantians forget stuck dismounts like we're all going to do those we're going to give it our best go but like if you are doing it for the right reasons if you're doing it you know for the letters on your chest and not for yourself you know you're doing it for a bigger purpose that like that's going to carry you further than a 995 ever will mm -hmm. and and i feel like it's the thing that lasts way longer too right like gymnastics you get this for four years and that's it you know but like or five or six <laughs> we've got a few sixes yeah you know um but you get that time frame and like if you forsake relationships you leave empty-handed maybe you leave with the trophy maybe you leave with the ring but you leave with items and you don't leave with connections mm -hmm. and like you miss an opportunity and like that that is my worst nightmare our student athletes to leave and say and I don't talk to anybody anymore oh, yep. and like that's heartbreaking
get out those calendars and mark this date, September 12th, 2023. That is when the Tumble Track crew is hosting a live event with none other than Brett Wargo. Brett Wargo is a national team coach and obviously the coach of the fantastic Shailise Jones and team coach at Ascend Gymnastics in Washington. In this one-hour live event, Brett will be speaking about bar technique. Obviously, if anyone knows bars, it's Brett. He even innovated two new products with TumbleTrack, designed to help improve the safety and training of athletes on bars. So register today at TumbleTrack.com, that's T-U-M-B-L-T-R-A-K.com forward slash events. Even if you can't attend live, TumbleTrack will send you the recording and you can take a look at it later. You can see the entire lineup of live events hosted by TumbleTrack on their website. Again, that's TumbleTrack, T-U-M-B-L-T-R-A-K.com forward slash events. That is my worst nightmare for our student athletes to leave and say, and I don't talk to anybody anymore. Oh, yep. like That's heartbreaking. So like connect and like make those relationships, form those bonds and go on road trips and, you know, act goofy on a bus. Like those are the things that I remember way more than my, comp my competition routines. And, you know, the girls, they'll ask, they're like, well, what did you score? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, who did you compete against? I don't know. It was somewhere between a 9925 and a 10 though. I can tell you that. <laughs> Not if it was bars. <laughs> So what do you guys do as far as preparing for pressure situations? Oh, I would say our biggest consistent thing that we do is inner squads. Our philosophy is that we have to, you know, it's kind of like a pre-meet before the meet. Um, so we do an inner squad every week before we compete on a, so like if we're home, we'll do an inner squad on Thursday. If we're away, mm -hmm. we'll do an inner squad on a Wednesday. And we try to just put them in as many situations like that impossible as possible. Mm -hmm. I think in the fall, it's kind of like me and court, especially we like vibe on this. It's like our favorite time to get creative with pressure situations. Yeah. And like their first inner squad is always going to be very intimidating. But I think once we get into the rhythm of doing them uh, in the fall, we do them every other week. So we do mm -hmm. a one every two weeks. And then once we get into season, we do one in, in correspondence with our competition. But in the fall, I like to get a little bit more creative for them to figure out their process. And so we do more group assignments. Um, we'll do assignments where it's like, hey, uh, so-and-so, or I like, I have this one game that I really like where I put all of their names in a cup in the group and mm -hmm. then I like pick, I pick a name out of the cup. I don't tell them who it is. Um, they all do a routine. Um, and then I tell them who the name is after and whatever that person score depends on the entire, that creates the entire assignment for the group. Gotcha. And so just kind of trying to like figure out little ways to yeah. make them compete for one another yeah. um, and to make it them rely on each other from a competition, yep. lots of partner assignments, group assignments. Um, but the, yeah. I would say like the most standard thing we do consistently is an inner yeah. squad. I think that also reinforces the idea that every routine really does count. Yeah. Because you never know what's going to happen. That that fall routine might count. So it still needs yep. to be after that fall, the best routine you can possibly do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what about lineup announcements? Is that based on what they're doing in inter-squads? Do they know before the meet? Are you deciding during warm-ups? Like, how do you guys do that? Yeah. We, like I said, we're very much not big on giving them surprises. Like we want to give them the information beforehand. We want them to know what's going to happen. The inner squads, they matter, but they don't count for everything. So it's not like, oh, you did good in the inner squad. You got to go. I mean, I think because our roster size is, is so large right now, we're taking uh, what we will do throughout the fall because we haven't started official practice yet. We'll take data points basically. And so like amount of hits per week. And so like trends is what we're looking at. And so 
who is trending in that direction, you know, whose average score is this, whether it's in an inner squad or in a competition, um, Mm -hmm. just kind of averages and then trends, I think are the most important thing in terms of deciding what that lineup is going to look like. Um, I think early on, we hope to flex our depth a little bit and be able to give people different experiences. And so that, you know, that's going to look a little bit different where we haven't been in this position in a while um, where we've had the depth to be able to exercise it. We've just sometimes had what we had and, you know, it was like, these are our best six and like, these are, this is who needs to go, but we hope to utilize it and be able to rest our, our girls who have been doing so much week after week. Yeah. They, we need to rest them. Uh, we also know that the healthiest team in April is probably the one that wins too. And so if we can get them feeling good into April and then, you know, pull out all the stops, that's, that's what we would like to do in an, an ideal world. Um, but no, we, uh, we do the inner squads and then usually we'll determine the lineup the night before, send that to them so that they have the information. And then sometimes like if we feel like there are two athletes who are really making the same push on the same event. Um, we, we have sometimes put them on a line and kind of just seen how they've warmed up and we've had to make a late change, but we try to not like, we try to not upset the apple cart. We try to be consistent mm-hmm. with our messaging, um, give them time to prepare. Um, but they know that things are fluctu- like they fluctuate Yeah, and that, and it, in a meet, anything could happen at any time. And like, you could be competing. And so, um, you know, preparing, you know, 70 and nine to be ready to do those routines as well is just as important as one through six. And I think that is the most interesting part of coaching a team and getting them to understand that we all have to work together to do this. And that whether you are competing today or not, you're competing one event, you're competing four events, that everything that we do counts and everything matters because, um, we all are trying to move in the same direction and we all have the same end goal. Mm -hmm. And you talked about treating the individual athlete versus just coaching everybody kind of under the same blanket philosophy. Would you say in your experience that you have noticed a difference in the athletes that are coming to you from elite versus level 10 in terms of what, what they need? And I know that's a very generalized statement, so please feel free to, you know, tell me that, but (laughs) yes, Um, it is, it's general, right? But I agree that our philosophy is, is one where we're meeting them where they're at and we want to coach them as individuals and we want to figure out what works for them. But yeah, I would say that there is, I think with our elite athletes, they have competed less, but they have competed in higher pressure situations. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, I'm doing four meets a year, but they, they are everything to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Or I'm, you know, I think camps, I think camps and, you know, national team and whatever, they, they go through that experience and that adds a different element of pressure to them, um, no matter how they've experienced it. Um, I think with our level 10 athletes, they have competed a lot, but sometimes in a less pressure situation. And it's cool. I think it's so cool now that they have the opportunity to do Nastia cups and, Mm -hmm. um, what did you call it? Dev nationals. I was going to say DP nationals, but I feel yeah. like I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, I got correct. Sarah Korngold corrected me on this podcast about that. Apparently somebody finally realized that that's probably not the best name to name something that has to do with children. So they changed it. Yeah, I know. I can't, I can't. I know, but I also like put it, when you have an idea of how to name something like that's that big of a deal. We should um, just name it one time. Ask a teenager. Ask a teenager, yeah. is, am Ask I missing somebody. something? Does this mean something that I don't know yet? 
ask the teenagers <laughs> and then make your decision. You I ask our girls all the time. I'm like, are you saying something that I don't know about? Yeah. Am like, I supposed to cool? know what this means? Is this inappropriate? Yeah. Right. What is the actual terminology I'm supposed to be using here? The word you're looking for is cringy. Cool. Cool. <laughs> okay. Got it. That's the word I'll be using. <laughs> um, anyway, so they have, our level 10s have the opportunity to, you know, compete on bigger platforms. And I think it's really awesome to see that 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 program is just becoming so large and it's just becoming so full of so many talented athletes. And so mm-hmm. I think that there is, they're starting to create a little bit more of a pressure situation within those competitions. There's high stakes. Uh, so I think it, it does come out. It looks a little bit different. I think there's um, some of our elite athletes who experience a little bit more wear and tear where their bodies are when they come in and how physically you know, tired they are if they've had more injuries. Um, I think those are things that we're constantly looking to evaluate. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a different experience level for each one of yeah. them. Um, and again, like just meeting them where they're at and like, what do you need? How have you experienced this? You know, and then getting them all on the same page. So, but yeah, definitely, it's definitely an individual process. And each one of them comes into our program with so many different experiences and so different than the ones that I had um, Mm -hmm. as an athlete too. And so I think that it's, it's really cool to watch them unify and connect over things that, you know, we've had so many of our girls that like went to Devo camp together and like, they loved it. And like, they talk about it all the time. Like I simply cannot relate to that experience, but it bonds (laughs) them and it connects them in a different way. Yeah, definitely. It's cool to hear them talk about their little stories so Mm -hmm. I love that college gymnastics is a safe haven for so many athletes and that so many people have found their joy in the sport again I think that that is exactly what we as a I feel like as a group have set out to do is to create Mm -hmm. um but I know that there are there are some things that like you can't always fix or that you can't you know you can't remedy um, right. some of the brokenness that has happened in the sport and it, it's yeah. devastating honestly it's very devastating um, so that makes me it makes me upset honestly to think about it this show is brought to you by creatively disruptive the marketing team behind your team and if you are a club owner or a gymnastics industry professional i encourage you to join their group the gymnastics business and marketing group there's so much free advice straight from the pros And you'll meet an entire community of like-minded professionals. So check out the Gymnastics Business and Marketing Group on Facebook. And check out Creatively Disruptive at creativelydisruptive.com. All right. Coaching staff questions. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. What the hell? Okay. (laughs) I've asked this so many times I still can't get it straight. So we've got head coach. We've got associate head coach. We've got assistant coach. We've got... So assistant, I don't know, tell me, and now everybody gets paid. Like, can you break it down for me as far as your coaching staff, this current yeah. one, okay. and what is the difference between what people do? Yeah. I mean, so I feel like every staff kind of operates differently and like what your, what your roles are. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jay is our head coach. Yep. And then Garrett, Courtney, and I are all assistant coach. Okay. So Courtney was a volunteer coach. Um, this past summer that we got passed that we could have four total paid coaches. Mm -hmm. And so that was a very easy transition hiring her on. Um, and now all three of us are kind of 
on I guess you would say like the same the same playing field we just like do not function like that as a staff so hard like there is no hierarchy there is no like like Jay is our head coach like he is our boss he is our leader but he is so collaborative in his approach and the way that he wants us to operate that it's like we always are constantly in conversation with one another about what will be best for the group. Mm-hmm. And ultimately he makes the final decision, right. you know, which is not necessarily a, a job that I would want because there, with that comes a lot of responsibility yeah. Yeah. Uh, to our student athletes, to our athletic department, to all the things. And so he, uh, he's, his approach is very different that way. Um, from a role perspective, we're all, again, also very collaborative. So everybody has to have their feet, their hands kind of in every thing. Like you need to be able to know, contribute and have a conversation about the yeah. comings and goings of what's going on with our program. And so that includes recruiting, that includes marketing, that includes student athlete welfare, that includes, you know, like there's every category that it goes mm-hmm. into. But Garrett is our recruiting coordinator. He is our our brains of the operation is what I would like to call him. He is very organized, very detail oriented, and again, like very relationship oriented as well. So he connects with all of the people that he feels like we need to be connecting with. Uh, we have a recruiting meeting. Uh, we all have to go recruiting. We all go recruiting. He is oh, not okay. the only person who recruits. Uh, we all go recruiting. He just kind of directs us as to where we're going to go of like this month, like bugs are going to X, Y, Z. I'm going here. Jay's going here. Um, and we're all kind of hands on with that. Did you that. say bugs? Yes. Did we not talk? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I think I get it, but I just wanted to clarify. You can explain if you'd yes. like to. Yeah. I, uh, I've had the same nickname since I was two years old. That's adorable. Never in a billion years did I think I would almost be a 30-year-old woman with a nickname. Um, but here I am. Uh, my parents did not think that either. They uh, they started calling me Ashbug, and then it became Bugs, um, and I've been Bugs forever. And so they were like, "Surely, when she gets to middle school, she will not want to be called this nickname anymore." Right. And I just kind of like kind of hung on to it. Um, and then I got recruited by Jay and Dee Dee, who yeah. have known my parents and have known me since I was oh, okay. Eight seven or eight. And so I was bugs to Jay and Dee Dee. And so when I got to college, I was still bugs. And now Jay is my boss. And that's what he refers to me as. Still calls you bugs. As does like my family and like people that I'm close with and are the girls on our team. Honestly, what I normally tell people is like, whatever is comfortable for you. Like if you're not comfortable saying bugs out loud, that's fine. Uh, one of our director of operations, she calls me Ash. Courtney calls me Ash. But like whatever you like, it, that works for me. I've been called basically everything. I have no preference. Um, but yeah, same nickname, nickname girl. I had no yeah. idea that I would be like this, but here we are. It's cute. <laughs> it is cute. Um, but you know, cute will only last so long. <laughs> it can only be cute for for so many years. <laughs> Yeah. So Garrett is our recruiting coordinator. Um, Jay, Jay has also like, he's very passionate about recruiting. He was the recruiting coordinator at Georgia and like in all of his assistant roles, he's overseen recruiting. And so it's been cool to, they are, they're so good for me to learn from and like listening to them and their Mm -hmm. knowledge and their experience. And um, even Courtney and Garrett having experience at so many other schools, just listening to them conversate about, you know, things that they've done and gone through and um, ways to win at the end. So it's, it's been really helpful for me in terms of like 
I think coaching is a natural thing to do. And I think coming into recruiting has been something that I've had to work at a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that I I want to constantly strive to get better at. And so I have two really great examples. Uh, Courtney is our floor coach. She's our choreographer. She cuts the music all by herself. She does all sorts of things. Uh, She loves to be in the gym. Like she's an in the gym junkie. She wants to be working hands-on technique, basics, drills all the time. Um, and so that's kind of her, her main jam. We do a lot of like our in-gym strength and conditioning, her and I work on together. So that's our circuits, our strength work, kind of our, our system for how that, how that gets organized. And I feel like for me, I kind of am a mod podge of basically everything. I call myself director of minutia because <laughs> all of the like little things that might get missed, those are the things that I oversee. Oh. I, I work with our GK rep to design leotards, um, getting all of those shipped in. I work with our director of ops to get our calendars for the week, get that information passed on to the girls. I work with Courtney on the in-gym strength and conditioning. I work with Garrett on recruiting. Like I I just like, I partner with different people and like try to like fill in the gaps and like make the glue. So I could say that too, make maybe a glue girl. But I think we, we all work together to, uh, to make it go. And so, so what about events? Cause I, you know, looking at the videos and everything, it looks like you're, you are on beam Beam. a lot. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Jay coaches bars, Garrett coaches vault, core coaches floor, and I coach beam. So we kind of have our own little systems. We Mm -hmm. definitely, we free flow because we only train vault and floor separate days. So like some days, you know, like Courtney will come over to beam and we'll work on stuff together. And so some days Garrett will go to bars and like work with Jay. And so it just kind of depends on what the day looks like, but we're not very territorial, like, but we do each oversee the training plan for each event. We communicate it. We let people know what it is so that we we're not overloading or overtaxing. I think that's our biggest, our biggest thing is like, you never want to overload. You want to, we would rather be under than over. Yep. To be honest, like we would rather undertrain than overtrain. Um, it is too long of a season. Yeah. Like it's too long. And we want them to be physically strong enough to handle it. So like we have to tiptoe the line to like build their strength and get them where we want them to go. And then like we have to level out and we have to yeah. find a balance of like how hard is this actually for them. And I right. think um being a student athlete and having that experience, it's sometimes easier for us to gauge. And so yeah, beam is my jam. It's a, an act of love for sure. Like it's something that like, I, I love how challenging it is mentally. I love that. Like, it's a, it's something that not everybody likes, which like, I like that, which I, Mm -hmm. that's something that I would never say. Like, I'm such a people pleaser. I want people to like everything, but like people don't like to do beam. Like that's not, that's fine. Like that's a very natural thing that it's like, Mm -hmm. but I love that. It's like, it's a full year project. Yeah. And you can always get better at it. And you can always, you know, there's always a mental edge that you can have that like, if you know what it is that you need, like mentally, you can be more prepared to do this event than any other event. Mm -hmm. Because it's never going to throw anything back at you. Like it's you in the beam for a minute 30. And like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I've really enjoyed being over there and just creating an environment where each athlete is, you know, working on their project, working at their craft, chipping away at it. Yeah. And how does that relate to you as an athlete? I'm, how did you feel about beam? Yeah, I, I liked it. I felt like it was something that I, it wasn't my favorite event. I was definitely a floorball girly. Sean Johnson was my icon, all of the things, but I think beam was something that I, I had to really learn to get better at. And I appreciated 
the fact that I knew what was going to happen when I got up there and like mm-hmm. that I I could take control of my own mindset and I could take control of what was going to happen and mm-hmm. I I loved the feeling of like that build up and the butterflies before and like the relief after is so different than any other oh, event. There's nothing it's, like that feeling of hitting nope, a beam routine. <laughs> nothing. It's so different than every other event. And so mm-hmm. I I love that part of it. And so I think I love that as an athlete, but I like watching our athletes experience that now is so cool. It's so special to share those moments with them. All right. Are you ready for some videos? I don't know. <laughs> Not sure what you've got. <laughs> Not sure what you're going to I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to like rack my brain about what this might be. Oh, don't worry. Uh, I know what this is. What is this? This is a not 10, 10. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there's this. I think what probably got them was the pull right it off there. at the end. Yeah. See, yeah, look, the arm comes open. out, right? Yeah. The opening. Yeah. That but, was nice. And your the- chest is not that far down. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> it's it's that. Like you can see my body like moving out of that salute so fast. I was like, gotta salute, gotta get there, gotta yeah. get there. That's called playing the game. Yeah, you do. And I, I would tell our athletes to play the exact same game because like it is that's what it is, right? Like sometimes it's subjective and sometimes it's whatever they see in that moment. And like mm-hmm. you've got to know and you've got to figure it out. Funny enough. Uh, Alex McMurtry also did a double full in this meet, loved competing against Florida. Um, but she also had just such, such great technique. And I knew that she was like back and forth on like doing a full or doing a double full that year, but she came to play. And so (laughs) I, I did my double first and got a 10 and then she did her double and she also got a 10 in the meet, which was kind of cool. Yeah, because it just like at the time, like there was really not a lot of people who were doing that vault, and to watch yeah. both of those vaults in the same meet, I think as a fan would be pretty cool too. Oh yeah, but um, it was good times. I do miss vaulting, and there was no start value incentive at this point, right? You were just doing it for show and knowing that that yeah. probably was going to edge out the fulls. Yeah, I don't remember when that started, but yeah, there was. I think in maybe 2016 or 2017, but I started doing my double in 2016. And I think maybe in 2017, they dropped the full to a 995. Maybe it was, maybe it was 2018. I don't know. Here's I feel thing. like anything after 2000 was like all in the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I came to college with a double and I competed the double three years in club before I got to college. And Didi and Jay were like, you are never going to be able to do this every week. You have to do a full. And I was like, okay, but just, you'll see, I can't really land the full very well. So I did the full for a year and I like took a hop out of it, took a hop out of it. So my sophomore year, they're like, we'll try a one and a half. Way worse running and running out of the very different vault. Yeah. I'm running out of the one and a half. I have never done one and a half in my life. So we did my sophomore year, we went back and forth between the full and one and a half. And my junior year, I went into their office and I was like, listen, I love y'all. I respect y'all. But you'll have to wait till next week to find out what she said to her coaches that day. So pop over here next Tuesday for the conclusion of What Makes Ashley Nat Think, where we do a deep dive into her club career, her dabbling in elite gymnastics, and I may or may not ask her about a tanning requirement. 
If you know, you know. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, head over to youtube.com forward slash what makes you think podcast and subscribe. Make sure to check out the gymnastics conversations playlist. And also you will notice there's a playlist for each guest who's been on the show. So you can see what the heck we're talking about when we watch these videos. You'll also notice that there might be some playlists for guests who have not been on the show yet. That means they're going to be. So if you want a sneak peek of who's coming up, go ahead and check that out. You can follow me on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Nicole Langevin Consultants, on Twitter at YouThinkPod, or you can shoot me an email directly at YouThinkPod at gmail.com. See you next week.